are listening to the Regular Guys Bible Study Podcast, the Bible study for regular guys by regular guys. We are your hosts, Ken and Steve, and we are just regular guys, not theologians, studying the Bible. Got that right. Welcome, everyone, to Ephesians chapter 2. This is our third podcast. We, for some reason, took two podcasts for chapter 1. I think it was ineptitude by us more than anything else. But we're going to do chapter 2 in one podcast. You got that, Steve? Got it. All right. So let's get started. Uh, Let's go ahead and read... Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is the ESV translation. Is that what you're using, Steve? That is what I'm using. Okay, why don't you read the first 10 verses, please? All right. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved." and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Okay, so the first chapter um, I found sometimes confusing. And I think one of the reasons it was confusing for me is because I was looking too closely at the scripture. So I decided this time that we should kind of step back. Wow. Oh, sorry. I'm not standing, so I slid back in okay, my chair. Slide back forward, please. All right. Okay. Is that, that better? Yeah, that's that's better. Um, but I decided we should probably summarize that first section because He uses a lot of words to say some simple things. He does. So I put a quick little summary together. It's a three-point summary of this section. First of all, we were dead in our sins. Yep. And in a lot of ways, this is not Romans, but it's it's Ephesians, but it's still very similar to the Roman road of salvation uh, to salvation, but it's only uh, three steps here. We were dead in our sin. Number two. But God made us alive in Christ. So we were dead in our sin, but God made us alive in Christ. Number three, it was not us that did anything. We, in other words, uh, we are not, not by anything we did, 
were we made alive in Christ. He did. He just did that. Um, so I don't think we have any trouble admitting we were dead in our sin. Do you struggle with that? Me personally, no. But I do think some people that aren't Christ followers don't really believe there is such a thing as sin. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I guess from uh, from my standpoint, though, I don't ever... I think Christians, for the most part, don't struggle with the fact that we were once dead in our sins. Um, you know, the truth is, I be, um, I was raised in a Christian home, right? I never had a this wild life that I had to make some huge turnaround in my life, but I was still dead in my sins before I turned to Christ. And, and so I don't struggle with that. He spends, you know, quite a bit talking about that, following the prince of the power of the air, um, the spirit work in the sons of disobedience. You know, he uses all these descriptive words, basically talking about how we were dead in our sins. Yep. Um, but I really don't want to talk about that much because... I don't think we really ever struggle with that. So let's talk about the rest of this passage. Um, so my question is, why did God make us alive in Christ? From, from this scripture, why did God make us alive in Christ? Because of the great love with which he loved us. It's the... Second half of verse four. Yes, okay. I would add to that that because he's rich in mercy, yes. which is also in verse four. Yes, all right. What's, what else? I see, I have, I have found four points. Well, one reason is in the coming age, he might show us that he did it so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's my second that I have listed. That's in verse 7. Yep. Um, take a look mm, at verse 9. Uh, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You think that's why he saved us? Uh, it's It says, I think that... Uh, for, uh, let's see, and this is not of your, it says, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It, it is, is a, a gift, gift of, of God, God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, so I think it is my belief that you can say, why did God make us alive in Christ? Um, I guess... Really, it's the way in which he made us alive in Christ is so that we cannot boast. That's why I had trouble with yes. it as a why. I understand. But I see your fourth one now. Okay, what's the fourth one? Uh, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we yes. should walk in them. Yes. He created us for good works that he has already created. So in other words... Only four? No, no, that's F-O-U-R. This is F-O-R. Oh. He, created, he created a bunch of good works. 
But if you think about that, he has created works to be done. Hmm. Right? And, and so he created these works to be done, and we are to do those works. Yep. And hopefully we are doing those works. Um, oftentimes, you know, the book of James, James is really big on works. And there is a portion of people that say, well, James says that we're all saved by works when Paul says we're saved by faith. And that is not at all what James says. And James and Paul really say the same thing, only emphasizing one over the other. Works is the uh, demonstration of your savedness. Yes, yes, the savedness is shown by works. Um, James says, I'll show you my faith by my works, right? And Paul says, you are saved by faith to do good to works. To do these good works. So uh, I, I think they are saying the exact same thing, just with a slight different emphasis. <laughs> I think you mean emphasis. Thank you. Okay. Is there anything you would like to add to this section? I believe that would be a sin for me to add to or take away. I didn't say to add a jot or a tittle. Oh, okay. Then no, I think I'm good. All right. Well, let's go on to verses, the rest of the chapter, which is verse 11 through 22. Since I made you read the first section, I'll make you read the second section. No, not really. I'll read it. You didn't really make me. I asked you to, though. Yeah. And you so, would... Ken, would you read the second section, please? <laughs> yes. Thank you for asking. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the, in the flesh by hands... Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the, the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit in the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. 
Um, which is another reason why this section, I wanted to summarize it as well. So uh, my summary for this section is, um, first of all, it's important that we know, we understand who God, who Paul is speaking to here. Paul is speaking to Gentiles. And uh, Gentiles, that's, that's me. And me. That's Steve. Uh, and actually, it's most people in this world. Um, yeah. Uh, there, uh, the nation of Israel is very small compared to the whole world. So most people and most followers of Christ are, gen are Gentiles. Um, because we were not Jews, we were separated. This is still part of the summary, by the way. Uh, because we were not Jews, we were separated from God and his promises and had no hope of salvation. So Gentiles, we were lost with no hope. We weren't invited to the table. Um, and then uh, the blood and body of Christ abolished the law. It ended our separation from God and ended our separation from God's uh, people, Israel. Um, and the last thing is we are now part of God's household. That is my summary of this section. So to summarize it even in smaller things, uh, we as Gentiles had no hope. Um, uh, 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 through the blood and body of Christ, uh, we, have, we have hope and we are now part of God's household. So, very simple summary right there. All right, do you agree with that summary, Steve? Yeah, I think that looks about right. Um, I mean, there's some interesting passages in here, though, that kind of jump out of me a little bit. All right, what would you like to talk about? Well, the uh, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Wall of hostility. Yes. So um, I believe if you... Uh, I had to read this multiple times to, to get to where I, I understand. I think I understand what he's talking about here. This is the wall of hostility between Gentile and Jew. So not between the unsaved and God? I don't believe so. I believe he's talking about this this separation between Gentile and Jew. Um, because if you go on, he says um, uh, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Hmm. Um, so in other words, instead of having these separate peoples, uh, the, the, the Gentiles and the Jews there, he's making one man, um, out of those two men. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that because it goes on to say reconciles, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. All right, so one thing that um, what you're talking about is something I've never noticed before um, until reading through here. 
that, you know, in, in those verses, um, he's not just emphasizing that we are one body in Christ. Because I've always read this as an emphasis that we are one body in Christ, as in believers. Okay. But he's actually also emphasizing that we are one body, both Jew and Gentile. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've noticed that before. And, you know, there's been a few sermons I've heard that we are children of Israel now, but this really kind of backs that up. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't even think I've heard, well, I don't know. Maybe I was sleeping during church. I don't know. We haven't gone to all the same services, Ken. That's true. But I don't ever sleep in church, but sometimes my mind wanders. So in verse 18, um, what does it mean that he preached peace? I'm sorry, that's verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Hmm. So the woman by the well, I would say, was probably far off, and she was not a Jew, right? Or were the Samaritans? Samaritans aren't Jewish. So the ones who are far off, he mentions that earlier, and it's clear when he says the far off, he's referring to the Gentiles, the ones that are separated from God. Okay. So... I think it does. I, I think you're on the right track. That far off is Gentile, near is Jew. Um, so when it's saying he preached peace to the far off and preached peace to those who were near, is he saying that he preached that that Jesus preached peace between Gentile and Jew? There should be peace between us and the Jews because we have access to the same spirit, but I don't know that that's what he preached. You could argue that, um, for example, the, uh, the parable of the um, Good Samaritan is you could argue that's a preaching of uh, peace between the two, right? Mm. Because the Samaritans were Gentiles. And then Jesus said, who was that man's neighbor? It wasn't right. all these Jews that passed by. His neighbor was who is considered the enemy or... The one that actually did something. right. Um, so I think you can say he preached peace, uh, between those, uh, just in that instance, I, I, I know there were others in which he interacted with non-Jews in a loving and sometimes odd way, like, uh, the woman who wanted food, um, at the table, 
and said... Uh, even the dogs. Even, yeah, he, she didn't want food. She wanted healing, actually. And even the dog... Yeah, he, he called her a dog, and even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. Um, that, <laughs> I, I, I don't quite understand that whole thing. So let's don't get into that one. Okay. <laughs> so I wish I hadn't brought it up. But uh, so verse 19, do you think that verse is why some people believe there are no uh, no life forms on other planets? Because it uses the word alien? It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. <laughs> All right. That's so, not what that means, Steve. Oh, okay. It, it means we once were aliens. So we are from another planet. I knew it. Uh, okay. Do you have really something constructive to ask about that verse? You mean like being built on the foundation? Yes. Do you want to build on the foundation? It's constructive. Yes. All right. So, all right. So he does talk about, let's, let's go into that. Okay. So he talks about, um, uh, the household of God, right? That was the last point of my summary was that now we are part of God's household. And so how is this house built? Starts with the cornerstone. The cornerstone is Jesus. It says the foundation of of the apostles and prophets. So it's all built upon, and I guess if you think about that, so the found the apostles and prophets, uh, or I would say the prophets laid down the um, foundation of what Jesus was coming, right? So the prophecies and all of that, that Jesus would come, uh, can be considered the foundation. And, and the apostles are considered part of the foundation. Um, well, they're the ones that gave us these books. Yes, they are. And then Christ is the cornerstone on which all of this rests. Um, and the whole, you know, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So obviously this is all a metaphorical temple, I believe, where uh, we are this one metaphorical body. Um, and be kind of weird if it wasn't metaphorical. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. We're like walking around and stuff. No, I was thinking we'd be stacked like bricks. Well, I know, but then we'd be moving. Like, whoa, where are we going? Especially if you're not a foot, right? You're oh, just like that's a, right. Like a scaly part on the elbow. Uh, but we digress. Yes. Anyway, uh, verse 22, and the, the very last verse, it says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Who is you? Is that the singular you or the plural you? Well, in verse 11, it says, At one time, you Gentiles, 
in the flesh. Uh, okay. I'm going to say plural. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, in, in particularly, I think he's actually talking to the Ephesian church. Um, that you, Ephesian church... Specifically. Yes, are being... Uh, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God. Uh, so... Uh, you know, live like that. Live like you are this body that is being built uh, into a temple. So, yeah, I think um, I had to scan ahead a little bit there, but I think that's sort of setting up for some of his points later in the book. Did you read ahead? You cheated. I I've actually read Ephesians several times. Okay, me too, I guess. But... <laughs> Okay. All right. Well. So he's actually laying the foundation for oh. his point later. Wow. How's that for some constructive feedback? That, that's great. All right. I really appreciate that, Steve. I'm really looking forward to what we're going to hear next time. Me too. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. I hope this was beneficial. Again, as I've said before, if you have questions, please leave comments. Only constructive comments. You can criticize, just be nice. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll try to keep them clean. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks a lot. See ya. See ya.